KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Wednesday, July 28th. Protests against a large sale of San Diego apartments to Blackstone. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. California state workers will have to be vaccinated or get weekly COVID-19 tests starting on Monday. Healthcare workers and those in high-risk congregate settings will face the same requirements later in August. UC Hastings law professor Dorit Rice is an expert in vaccine law and policy. She says the new vaccine rule is a soft mandate. An employer can say, get the vaccine or you're fired. That's a very strong mandate. A mandate that says vaccinate or will put in place requirements for you to reduce the risk, such as testing or masking, is a softer one. The consequence is not as bad. Many businesses have stayed away from requiring proof of vaccination because of the risk of backlash. Meanwhile, the San Diego Regional Chamber of Commerce agrees with the state's decision. Jerry Sanders is with the chamber. Right now, safety of all of our business owners and their patrons is of paramount importance. The chamber is urging people to get vaccinated, and they're advising their members that masks create an additional level of safety. The chamber says the alternative is a shutdown that could stifle the current economic recovery. The California State University system says it will require all students and staff to be vaccinated against COVID-19 if they want to take any in-person classes in the fall. The CSU system had previously announced plans to require vaccinations, but only after the U.S. Food and Drug Administration gave full approval to at least one of the vaccines. All current vaccines are being administered under an emergency use authorization. From KPBS, you are listening to San Diego News. Now, stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. Earlier this year, the Conrad Prebis Foundation announced it was planning to sell 66 residential complexes across San Diego County to the private equity group Blackstone. And the price tag? $1 billion. Now, tenants in some of these properties say they fear they will be displaced. KPBS race and equity reporter Christina Kim has more. Fight, fight, fight! Housing is a human right. Standing in front of the Golden Tree Apartments, Anne Marine McKellab has called this building home for the last three years. It's one of the 66 buildings the foundation is selling to Blackstone for a total of more than $1 billion. Most of the proceeds will go towards the foundation's many philanthropic efforts in San Diego, including KPBS. McCullough, who is also a member of the tenants' right organization, ACE, says she's worried what will happen to her family when Blackstone takes over. I'm afraid that I got, we got to move on because they're not in favor of us. They're in favor of themselves and growing their money higher. The New York City-based Blackstone has been buying up low-income and moderate-income housing complexes across the country. In a statement to KPBS, Kathleen McCarthy, the global co-head of Blackstone Real Estate, wrote, We expect that a resident making 80 percent or less of AMI will continue to find the majority of units affordable. 
we plan to make substantial capital investments exceeding $100 million to address unaddressed resident requests. McCarthy also wrote Blackstone's renovation of the apartments will generate 500 local jobs. McKellab, who pays $1,400 a month for a roach-infested one-bedroom apartment, doubts she'll benefit from any upgrades. So they maybe try to offer us something, because you know pretty much that what they do to make it in a more bougie apartment. And then maybe maybe the amount that they give us can't even fund to where we want to go. It depends. National City Vice Mayor Jose Rodriguez says he's not confident that Blackstone will keep any promises it's making. And he's warning Blackstone that a strong tenants' rights culture is growing in the San Diego region. The good thing of doing these public actions is to ensure that uh, uh, this new prospective buyer knows what they're dealing with and they're dealing with tenants that are organized with elected officials that want to make sure that we represent everybody and everybody's interest um, so that they know this is going to be a fight once the sale goes through. Blackstone Group expects the transaction to close later this year. And that was KPBS race and equity reporter Christina Kim. A group of parents and advocates in Coronado are seeking to make amends with the Escondido community following the tortilla-throwing incident at a basketball game in June. KPBS's Alexandra Ronhell has more on the journey to healing they're hoping to start. We are deeply sorry. Inclusionado is a group of parents and advocates. They gathered in front of the Coronado Unified School District Tuesday to simply say sorry. Despite an ongoing investigation, the group wanted to apologize for the tortilla-throwing incident that hurt and offended not only the players of Escondido Orange Glen High School, but the Latino community. We see you, we hear you, and we stand by you. Mareli Ramirez, a parent on the Inclusionado Steering Committee, says it's time to move forward. We would like to embrace the opportunity to, f to build a bridge a bridge of respect between Coronado and Escondido. The championship game between Coronado High School and Orange Glen that resulted in tortillas being thrown at Orange Glen athletes has caused much controversy. It has also led to the stripping of Coronado's championship title by the CIF board. How can it be? How can it be that there are so many educated people, captains of industry, that would allow that to happen. Thomas Morali, a Coronado resident in support of Tuesday's apology, says healing needs to happen far beyond the school districts. He's had neighbors of color who have experienced racial discrimination and he's willing to do his part to foster inclusion. We want to bring inclusion in this city and I pray that we can do that. And that reporting from KPBS's Alexandra Ronhell. On Tuesday, the San Diego City Council finalized a deal to move the annual Holiday Bowl to Petco Park. KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen says the bowl had been searching for a new home since the Mission Valley Stadium was demolished last year. The Padres' downtown ballpark seemed like a great fit for the Holiday Bowl, but the 1998 ballot measure that created Petco Park included a prohibition on football games. Council members voted unanimously to remove that restriction to ensure the bowl game stays in San Diego. The Padres will share the revenue from the game, and CEO Eric Gruppner says the team is covering the upfront renovation costs. Reconfiguring the ballpark will take some work. 
uh, work that we have largely already done with the exception of finalizing permitting and construction. And we have a team that's working hard on that as I speak. Gruppner says when retrofitted for football, Petco can hold about 50,000 fans. The Holiday Bowl is scheduled for December 28th. And that story from KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen. Coming up, San Diego's history with white extremism and the locally based One America News Network. We'll have that story next, just after the break. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. On Tuesday morning, lawmakers in Washington, D.C. heard testimony from Capitol Police officers during a hearing on the January 6th insurrection. In their own words, the officers described how they came face to face with what they described as a violent mob of rioters subscribing to lies, conspiracy theories, and white extremist ideas. In fact, one of the people who died participating in that insurrection was Ashley Babbitt from right here in San Diego, also found right here in San Diego. One America News Network. LA Times columnist Jean Guerrero describes the network as a hotbed of white paranoid extremism and Trump propaganda. She recently wrote an article on how San Diego actually incubates white extremism with the network. Jean spoke with KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Hindman about the piece. Here's that interview. So what inspired this piece? So I grew up here in San Diego um, in the South Bay, and I have always loved this this city and, you know, my family's here and I've always gone back and forth across the border. And so, you know, when I first found out that One American News Network was headquartered here, I was surprised. You know, while I was reporting Hatemonger, my book about Stephen Miller, the Trump senior advisor and speechwriter, I, I began to learn a lot about California's hist- long history of white supremacy and extremism. And it began to make more sense to me why One American News Network was located specifically in San Diego. And I wanted to explore that in a deeper way. What is it about San Diego, you think, that attracts and breeds white extremism? White extremism has historically erupted over fears about the quote unquote browning of America, um, or, or the idea that white people are losing their dominance or power to to brown or black, you know, non-white people. It's often a product of rapid demographic change. So, for example, in the 1990s, 
here in California, non-Hispanic white people became a demographic minority for the first time. And there was a massive increase in white supremacist groups that started here and fanned eastward across the United States. Um, so one of the main reasons that we see white extremism being bred here and, and San Diego being a magnet for white extremists is the city's proximity to the border. You know, in my piece, I wrote, quote, for those who dream of being white heroes at the edge of darkness, what better place than the literal frontier with brownness so close to the other side and its hallucinated boogeymen. So many extremists come here because they want to basically play act at saving the white race. They believe in this conspiracy theory that white people are being systematically displaced by Latino immigrants um, and they want to come to San Diego to um, act out these fantasies of protecting the white race. And as you mentioned, this isn't a new phenomenon. Talk a bit about San Diego's history with white extremism. The Ku Klux Klan came to San Diego a century ago, specifically to terrorize Mexicans, you know, to, to go to the border and act as, as vigilantes to patrolling the, the border and, and hunting down Mexicans. And they stayed here for decades. So, so there's the KKK has a long history here, but also, you know, the normalization of white supremacist propaganda by politicians has a history here as well. You know, fast forward uh, to today, and there is one American news network headquartered right here in San Diego, available to 35 million households across the country. Um, why and how do they fit into the white extremist landscape? So one America news network it has become Trump's favorite megaphone for the big lie. The It's essentially the epicenter of this collective delusion in which Trump won the 2020 presidential elections. Um, the same delusion that led to the storming of the Capitol on January 6th. Uh, it's also the epicenter of a collective delusion in which Latino immigrants are destroying the country. Um, and costing taxpayers billions of dollars every day, which is completely false. They, they run this doomsday ticker regularly that shows the alleged cost of illegal, illegal immigration. Uh, but they're pulling data from think tanks like the Federation for American Immigration Reform, which was funded by a white supremacist named John Tanton, who believed in the genetic superiority of whites. And they um, you know, sugar pick data, and they completely ignore the consensus among economists that immigration, whether it's legal or not, is a net gain for the American economy. But OAN packages these, you know, this white supremacist propaganda as objective news. Um, and it is basically in the business of providing viewers with racialized scapegoats on a regular basis to, to rile viewers up, whether it's, you know, showing minute after minute of, of, of black people committing crimes or, or talking about, quote unquote, illegal aliens destroying this country or saying that, you know, that 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 Trump is the is the rightful president. Um, it, it's all basically white supremacist propaganda masquerading as as news. Hmm. 
And I want to go back to something. You know, in your article, you highlight how some of these well, white extremists have actually held elected positions, creating policy and local laws. The fact that they were elected obviously speaks volumes about San Diego voters. And it also gives insight into the intentions behind some local policies and why they were created. What did you find out about that? Well, so, you know, in in the 90s, we, we passed Proposition 187, which attacked social services for undocumented immigrants, including public school for migrant children, uh, a proposition which was later found unconstitutional. There were also attacks on bilingual education and attacks on affirmative action. Um, and, and all of this had uh, the broad support of voters in, in San Diego. Um, and what was interesting to me was was to see that last year, uh, last year, 2020, we had the opportunity to repeal the racist ban on affirmative action through Proposition 16. Um, and we actually overwhelmingly rejected that opportunity. So it shows that the anti-immigrant and white supremacist viewpoints that became incredibly popular in the 1990s across California and fanning out in large part from San Diego remain um, remain popular today and, and continue to have bipartisan support in the city. And, you know, One American News Network found a home here in San Diego and the white extremist ideas that you say are talked about on their programs have found a home in the hearts and minds of many residents here. You know, this almost seems like an unfair question, but what do you see as a solution to this ideology? Well, so the solution, I think, is to be very careful not to give in to the temptation to cast One American News Network uh, or its audiences as an aberration. Um, We need to avoid this us versus them uh, mentality and this scapegoating that they that that the network and and many of its followers um, unfortunately fall fall victim to and 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 in the case of OAN you know deliberately perpetrate. So I think we need to understand how easy it is to be radicalized and to be manipulated by disinformation. Um, so what we need to do is, is to hold accountable those who are profiting off of that manipulation and off of the radicalization of the masses and, and avoid the temptation to, to scapegoat the people who are being victimized by those people in positions of power who are doing the manipulating. That was Jean Guerrero, columnist for the LA Times, speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host, Jade Hindman. And that's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio, or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by the University of San Diego, offering professional and continuing education courses in the areas of business, education, 
healthcare, and engineering. For enrollment opportunities, visit pce.sandiego.edu.